Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about if you're ready to be a real estate investor. These real estate talks seem to be popular, and so I'm going to go over a prepper for you. And after listening to this, you're going to know if you're ready or not to start investing in real estate. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's referral program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. Now, the first thing you may be thinking is, well, it's a really bad time to buy real estate because the interest rates are extremely high and you're not going to make as much money because you have to pay twice as much for everything with the higher rate. Basically, your payment is double what it would have been if the rates were at 3.5% or 4% now that they're at 7 And it's a really bad time to invest. So you may think, but when I bought my first house in 1997, I believe it was about 14% interest. So I would say at 7%, it's much cheaper. And I think interest rates are definitely not going to go much higher and they're probably going to go back down. One thing you have to realize is that the interest rate and price is tied closely together. So in, you know, 2000, 2001, when everyone was bidding and paying so much money for their houses because they had a 3% mortgage, the prices were much higher because you can borrow more, qualify easier with a lower interest rate. And since the prices are higher, it's harder to qualify and there's less competition. So it's one of those things where if you're waiting for the rates to go back down to 4%, which they might, who's who's to say they won't. You're also going to have to realize that the price of the house is also going to increase and the amount of people bidding on the house is going to increase dramatically. So one of the things that you have to realize is that now there's low inventory because no one's selling their house because why would you want to sell your house if you're paying 3.5% and buy another house at 7%? It's not logical. And so the housing inventory is down because of that reason. However, since the rates are so high, the prices have kind of flattened. Some areas they've actually gone down. And there's some real bargains to be found out there, regardless of how much money it's going to cost you to borrow that money. And it shouldn't really matter if you can follow these principles. And I'm going to go over a few of them here for you so that you know you're not going to lose money on an investment. And you're going to be in a win-win situation if you follow these steps. The first thing I think that you need to understand. And I mentioned how the interest rates are tied to the price. If you buy a house now, the prices are pretty flat or low in most areas. So in the future, you may be able to refinance that house. If you can't refinance, you could definitely hollow out that mortgage. And what what I mean by that is if you can't refinance and you're at 7%, you could just make extra payments to that mortgage. And it, with all those payments, your the amortization table is kind of going towards your favor. Just to keep it simple, when they amortize a home loan, you're probably paying twice, if not more than twice the amount for that house because the if you let's just say your payments, I'm just gonna pull these numbers out, they're not really accurate. But if your payments two thousand a month, 
So technically, maybe $150 is going towards the principal. And then the, you know, $1,850 is going towards the interest you're paying every month. Until you get to about year 18 on your mortgage is when the principal and interest are kind of reversed. and You're paying more principal than interest. And that's why a 30-year amortized loan costs so much. If you have ever gotten a home loan, you'll see at the bottom it says, if you pay this over the course of 30 years without making any extra payments, this is how much it costs you for the house. So if your house is $500,000, you are going to pay like $1.1 million total for it because of all the interest. So the way to get around that, it's very simple, it's very logical, is that you just hollow out that loan. The payment stays the same, but then the amount of principal that you're paying off towards that mortgage increases as you make extra payments towards that loan because you're accelerating the amortization table. The good thing about this is that you can still write off, you can still deduct the interest you're paying every year on that on your mortgage, and you're actually going to finish your loan very rapidly. If you had a 30-year mortgage and you made one extra payment every year, you would bring that to a 22-year mortgage. If you made two extra payments, it would be down to like a 12-year mortgage. And so the same thing can be done with a rental property. So I wouldn't be scared away by the high interest rate if you're going to borrow some money to purchase that house. And I suggest when you buy rental real estate that you put a cash down payment, they're going to require about 25 to 30%. So if you're buying something for 400000 you're going to have to put you know close to 100000 or a little bit more than that down on the house. And then you would finance the balance, which is like 300000 And again, it doesn't matter what the interest rate is because your whole plan is to hollow that loan out if you need to or refinance it if it drops. And if, you know, significantly that would drop your payment if depending on what the rate goes down to. So you can't really time the market. If you're waiting for next year or the year after when interest rates are low, you're going to be paying a premium on the price point. And to me, it's all wash, whether you're buying at a low interest rate, paying a little bit more for it, or you're paying less for it now and paying higher interest rates. There's really no bad time to buy. It's one of those things where if you don't get started, you're never going to get started. And I have a lot of friends that are like, yeah, I'm going to be investing in real estate. I'm going to get a house next year. And then the same thing, you talk to them the following year. Well, I'm going to wait till the following year because this and that. You know, there's a parable in the Bible that says if you're waiting for the best time to plant, you'll never plant anything. And that's kind of the same thing with real estate. If you're waiting for the best time to jump in, you're never going to jump in. So I have people that are like, you know, that missed the boat like five years ago. They're like, I should have invested. I was going to get into the market, but I didn't, you know, the real estate market, but I didn't. And so you'll be one of those people unless you get moving. And here is your main goal when you buy a property. The main goal is cash flow. Will this thing make you money? And it's really easy to calculate. You don't need to take any expensive courses. You don't need any expensive spreadsheets. You basically need to know how much you pay for it, how much money you're putting down on the house, and then how much rent you're going to be able to get for the property, minus property tax and insurance. And if you're paying for any utilities like water or trash, then you're going to have your bottom line. It's really simple mathematics. You're going to know exactly how much your mortgage is because when you get the loan, they're going to tell you your payment. You're going to kind of know the rental market because you're going to look on Zillow for, you know, something comparable, what they're renting for and how fast they rent it. That's the key too. When you're looking to match the rental price, always keep an eye on, I would save a rental that's in your area and see how fast they rent it. If it takes them 60 days to rent it, probably the rent's too high and that's not a good indicator, but you can get a pretty good average by looking at, you know, 10 like properties that are for rent and get an idea of how much you get rented for. So you take the rent minus your expenses. You're not counting the down payment in that if you use cash. That's just something that you put into it. 
and you'll be able to get that back eventually if you do decide to sell the property or do a 1031 exchange to trade up to a, a better property without paying taxes. And I wouldn't count too much on the down payment because if you're putting that in the bank and it's just sitting there, you're losing money. So might as well put it in a rental that's going to make you some money. And once you find out how much cash flow you're going to make, and you should be making some cash flow. If not, I would say look for a different deal because if you're buying something now and you're paying the higher interest for it, you should have some cash flow. So this means you might need more than one unit. You can't just buy a single family residence unless it's really cheap. You're looking for something that has three units or four units attached to it. And you don't want to go over four units because then you move into a commercial loan situation. A regular bank will only loan up to four rental units. So look for a fourplex or a triplex or a good duplex that's making money. And I would say single family homes are probably out because you can't really make the money on those like you used to. When rates were at, you know, 4%, you can definitely make money by buying single family homes. But now you can't, so you have to kind of adjust your investing to look for something that brings in a larger income stream so that you can pay everything and still make some cash flow. And I, would, I wouldn't be totally against like breaking even, but I would be really against losing money because you're not in a position to lose money as a investor. Otherwise, you are going to have, you know, four houses making you no money. doesn't make any sense to keep buying them if they're not making you money. Yes, when all the mortgages are paid off in 20 or 30 years, you'll be making a lot of money. But one of the benefits of real estate is making money at that point that you're actually, you know, utilizing your investment to make some money. Now, you do make money by saving on your taxes. You can depreciate it. You can write off all the interest, all the expenses. So don't get me wrong. There is some money to be made in, in tax savings. But having some real physical money coming in every month is something that I think you should be focused on with any kind of investment, but more especially in real estate. We just did a, a deal about three months ago, and it was uh, listed as a home with you know with a workshop and a garage in the back. And we got it for three ninety seven, but the house in the back actually we just remodeled it and converted it to a two bedroom, one bath house. And we're working on getting the permits with the city. Just got the um, plans approved by the city. And next is getting the building and safety approved. And so once that's once I'm able to put someone in there, I'll be getting two thousand in the back house and twenty one hundred right now is what I'm running the front house for. Minus all the expenses, the cash flow is a little less than a thousand once everything is done, and that the price of that was three ninety seven, and this is something that you got to find a deal. It doesn't really matter the the situation or the configuration, but however, if you're gonna do two houses on one lot, you have to make sure that it's zoned for that. A lot of people built illegal units that you can't get permits for, so in this particular city, it has to be on an acre or more for you to get the permit which this one qualifies for, I would have passed on it if it was like, you know, 0.83 acres or 0.49 acres, because I know what the city looks for. And you have to be aware of that. So you can get a bad deal if you don't know what the city requires. And it's really safe to buy something already existing. So I would recommend that for your first deal, I would get a triplex or a fourplex that's already built and existing and zoned for that, you know, zoned M1 or zoned you know, R3 or something like that so that you don't have to worry about the zoning and getting any permits. It's already done and established. And when you do the deal, when they do the title search, they're going to find out if it has the right permits and things like that. So definitely you want to do your due diligence and you want to do a lot of research and learn as much as you can 
about the area you're investing in, what the rules are, what the laws are. Now, here in California, we have rent control. So we can't raise the rent more than 10% per year in a duplex or larger um, um, complex. In a single-family home, there's no rent control, so you can raise the rent as much as you want. But can you make money on a single-family home in this environment? I don't think you can. One thing you want to look for is something that you can put money into to make it you know, rentable without breaking your bank, of course. And you don't want to buy something that's already finished. So a lot of flippers are buying homes in my area, putting everything in. And if you know anything about the cost of remodeling, it's really inexpensive if you do it correctly. So they're maybe dropping 30000 and then they're, of course, selling that at a premium. And that's the one you don't want to buy. You want to buy something that, you know, doesn't look too attractive and that you can put some money into to turn it around. And we did a duplex um, last year and got it for 383 It had orange paint. It was really ugly. I'll probably do a YouTube video showing that particular process. One thing that we did was put a driveway in, which is what I don't recommend doing, but we did it because we wanted to make it kind of future-proof at that time. And so that one costs about 60000 to remodel and get it ready. It's a little more than we budgeted for, but it's bringing in really good rent, so I'm not going to complain too much about it. And we got a 4.3% interest rate because that was right before things started going up. So I'm happy with that one, even though we put more money in than we wanted to. So that's what you're looking for. You make all your money on the purchase. Just like if you buy anything, you want to get a good deal on it. If you pay a premium for it, then it's probably going to be something that you want to walk away from. You want to get something where you're going to have, at least once you purchase it, you're going to have some built-in equity, you know, forty or 50000 of built-in equity, maybe 100000 if you can. And this is what you're looking for when you're buying a place. Now let me flip the coin a little bit and talk about the other end of it, being a landlord. Now you can hire a property management company. Finding a good one is a problem. Finding someone who is going to want to help you out and really push for someone good to get in there is a problem. And so doing it yourself when you first start out is what I recommend. And it's really easy to do. You can, you know, as a pool service professional, you have a pretty good people picker. You know when a customer is going to be a problem when you meet them. If you don't know that, then you're going to have a lot of problem accounts. But you should have some experience knowing hey, this client is going to give me this much trouble because this is their personality. When you interview tenants, you're going to want to find out as much as you can about them. And of course, you may inherit tenants, which we've done on occasion. I'd rather buy something empty and put my own people in there. But sometimes you'll have to buy something that has tenants already in there and you have to get to know them. And hopefully they pick good people the landlord before you, but sometimes they didn't. You have to deal with that headache also. So I've done both where I've had, you know, I bought them with someone in there and I bought them when they're empty. I prefer empty, of course, because then you can put whoever you want in there. However, when you buy it empty, it's harder to qualify because you can't use the rent to qualify yourself for the mortgage. So that makes it problematic. But when you screen them, it's really easy. I do everything on Zillow. So Zillow will give me their credit report, their background, and then I call their former landlord or their apartment complex to get their rental history. That's kind of what I'm really worried about. But of course, I won't rent anyone with bad credit because that's an indicator of bad character. And I don't mind renting to someone whose credit is emerging. You know, they had problems in the past and they're doing their best to patch it up. And Zillow will let you know their credit status. And it's pretty obvious when someone doesn't make their payments on time. And one of the things that I had one person that had an eviction, they're like, hey, it wasn't me. It was someone that stole my identity and they rented a place in my name. 
And I said, well, give me the court document saying that it wasn't you and, and I'll be fine with it. You got to be discerning. Just again, if you do, you're dealing with customers, so you're pretty good at customer service already is that gives you an edge over anyone else trying to be a landlord. But there are things you have to kind of deal with. And if you're totally inexperienced, it's understandable. Um, just maybe get with an experienced realtor that can help you get a tenant, help you pick one, list it with them. I wouldn't list it with a property management company because you don't know how they're, you know, how they operate, at least at the beginning. I would try to do it myself. And then later, if you get big enough and you want to get property management, you already, you already will know kind of what kind of property manager you're looking for because you've been managing it. And one thing that I also recommend is that you be very proactive. You know, let the tenants know that if anything breaks, let you know right away because that saves you money. And you're really reinvesting in yourself when you put something in. You know, I had to put a new HVAC system in last year. It was 8000 And the one that I'm remodeling here that I bought three months ago, I put a whole new air conditioner system in from the ground up, all the ducts and everything. That was like 12000 or something. But I can deduct it on my taxes. So I'm actually paying myself for those air conditioners that I put in the last couple of years. I can depreciate the air conditioner unit over 15 years on my taxes. And that means that my taxable income goes down by, you know, $800 every year, which means I'm saving money on my taxes. And I'm basically getting the HVAC systems for free over 14 years. Yes, I put the money out, but I'm investing in myself because I can deduct that on my income taxes over the 14 years as depreciation on the air conditioner and heater unit. And then in 15 years, I'll put another one in and do the same thing, depreciate it in my taxes. So there are some tax benefits from having rentals and upgrading and fixing things. Really, you're paying yourself. So I always scratch my head when I you know, have a, a duplex next to somebody who does nothing to the unit. They have like the screens are stapled onto the, the, the window frame. Simply upgrade all of that because you're paying yourself any money that you're saving by not fixing up the rental. You're paying the IRS entire taxes. I think the biggest fear is like someone not paying their rent and then you have to evict them. I've done that before. It's not a big deal. You just have to get the right person to file the paperwork and then you go to court and you evict the person. I usually negotiate. I've had a couple of tenants where I'm like, hey, I'll give you $2,000 you know, tomorrow, if you get out of there by Friday and they take the deal usually and they're out of the house and they take the cash because truthfully, an eviction is going to cost you several thousand dollars. And of course, you can write off the rental loss on your taxes. It's no fun losing money, but I've done it. It's not the end of the world. You know, it was one of the situations where tenant was good. Things, you know, turned bad because the city actually wanted me to convert the unit from a duplex back to a single family. It's a whole other story. I could probably do a whole podcast on that. And I had to get the person out of there. I had to move actually everyone out of the out of the house. They didn't want to leave. And then it got really, not ugly, but it got kind of one of those situations where the eviction had to happen. And I got through it. We got through it. It's, it's part of having any kind of investment. There's a risk involved all the time. So, you know, just to summarize, I think getting started is the hardest thing. Everyone talks about it. They debate it. And a year goes by, two years go by, three years go by, they don't do it. And I say, you know, try to get everything lined up and talk to people about investing, listen to podcasts. I think Bigger Pockets would be my recommendation for a real estate podcast for you. Kind of read books, get as much information as you can about it, learn about the area you're investing in. And of course, try to calculate your cash flow. Make sure you calculate everything in there. You know, if you 
if you do it and you're like, hey, I'm going to make 200 bucks, but then you realize, oh man, I got to pay for the trash, then you just lost money because you're paying for the trash every month and you can't charge more rent. So make sure the numbers are solid before you actually pull the trigger. You know, it's easy to do again. You're going to know your mortgage payment. You're going to know how much you could rent it for. And you're going to know the monthly expenses, what you're going to pay there. And I, again, suggest buying something established like a duplex, triplex, or fourplex. And you really can't time the market. Again, you know, prices are flat or low. Interest rates are high. When interest rates start dropping, people start selling their homes. There's more inventory. There's more people looking at that point. The prices start going up. And so you're paying more money for the house. You're saving on the monthly payment. To me, it's all a wash, either buying it now at a higher at a lower price, higher interest, or later at a lower interest, higher price. I bought it in both markets. It doesn't really bother me either way. I think just getting started is the key. And putting your money somewhere like real estate is a great, safe investment. And if you put a down payment down of 30%, you have instant equity. So if anything goes wrong, you'll have money that you will have available either to a cash out refi. And I think you definitely need to have savings when you do any of this stuff. So think about having the down payment plus another 50 or 60,000 cash in the bank, either with a home equity line or cash in the bank. Because if you're going to do some kind of remodeling and you have a budget for it, kind of double that budget because everything adds up and there's always new things that pop out. And if you have a budget of 30,000, expect to spend about 60,000 on that. And one last thing, if you're going to start investing, Make sure when you file your taxes that you talk to your CPA beforehand so that you kind of know what you need to do to have income showing because a lot of times you're deducting a lot of stuff. And if you talk to a loan broker, a good one, he'll tell you how much cash or how much cash, how much income you're going to need to qualify for X amount of dollars. And so you want to set up your taxes in that fashion. So maybe don't take as many deductions and have more income showing, pay a little more taxes that year. Because that's a big factor in qualifying you, especially if you're self-employed, how much income you actually have and how much you know profit you actually make is a factor in this. If you're looking for other podcasts I recorded, you can find them on my website, swimmingproolearning.com, and on the podcast icon, you click on that. And I assure you there's a lot of pool podcasts that I've done or pool care podcasts. If you're interested in the coaching program that I offer, you can learn more at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I rest your week and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Yeah! Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.